Our gospel reading today is from the book of John, chapter 2. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Day to day pours forth speech, and night declares its knowledge. It's a line from Psalm 19 that Pastor Keith read, hopefully with you this morning. And Psalm 19 is all about how creation honors God. Give you a little preview in the children's message, get your brain pumping. Day to day pours forth speech. The statues of the Lord rejoice in their heart. They are sweeter than honey in a comb. The day is for creation to speak, to sing, to make joyful noises to the Lord, for birds to chirp and cows to moo and dogs to bark and fish to splash around in the water. But what does the psalm tell us the night is for? The night declares knowledge. The night is when the earth stills and the judgments and truth of the Lord are clear. Sure, a few creatures move about, but in the night, the woodpeckers, they're replaced with bats. Cows calm down, but cats move about. The wisdom of Mother Earth can be felt. And this rhythm of speaking, rejoicing with God, and then hibernating as wisdom and truth surround us has been happening since God created our Earth. Each day, an opportunity to catch God's rhythm. But humans are, quite frankly, terrible at respecting this rhythm. With the invention of fire and then light bulbs and then screens and vehicle headlights and streetlights and massive lights over stadiums, humans have been waging war on the dark since our existence. In an attempt to stay in this joyous part of God's song, we've stunted the wisdom of the dark. In her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, Barbara Brown Taylor brings readers through her own exploration of the dark. Both spiritual, emotional darkness, she talks about loneliness, grief, and failure, but also physical darkness. Dr. Taylor goes spelunking in caves, and she sits on top of hills watching the moon rise. She removes all electronic devices from her bedroom because they all have little tiny lights And then one night she goes to a cabin without electricity to remain there from sundown to sunup. 
She embarks on this experiment because she's found in her research that before the invention of electricity, humans slept in a lot shorter chunks over longer periods of time. It was generally practiced that the hours that the sun wasn't shining were for rest, whether or not that rest was sleep. Sleep and rest were intermingled, if you will. It would be normal to sleep for maybe two or so hours and then to be awake, thinking about life, thinking about nothing at all, maybe taking a little midnight walk. And then you'd sleep a little bit more. And this period of rest and sleep would take, I don't know, 10 hours each night, depending on the season. And rather than being entirely focused on sleep, you would just listen to your body and the world around you. In fact, this modern dialogue about getting eight hours of sleep is precisely that. It's a modern dialogue, and it's a product of our overscheduled world. Because if we weren't able to do anything productive when the sun wasn't shining, it would free us up to do absolutely nothing, to be a little bit more playful with our rest. So Dr. Taylor, when she spent these evenings without technology, without an alarm clock, she learned that many of the things she was afraid of in the dark, the things she'd been afraid of since she was little that required her to have a nightlight, they were actually quite harmless because she became more familiar with the sounds of creation, with the wisdom of the dark. For her, the dark was an invitation to trust that when she got scared, everything would be okay. To be more whimsical in her experience of sleep, to spend more time with her dog and just thinking. I wonder what our dark has been teaching us. Pastor Bruce Epperly described Psalm 19 as a celebration of God's cosmic laws embedded in every heart. The heavens are telling God's glory. The same glory is also present in humankind. Aligned with the dynamic laws that created heaven and earth, our spirits are revived. Awe and gratitude lead to a joyful life, he says, and enable our words and meditations to bring healing and wholeness to our world. God intends for the creative order of the universe to be replicated in our personal and public lives. The created order that we find in Genesis involving Sabbath rest, the creative order we find when we listen to creatures rejoicing with God. And we remember that the very end of Psalm 19 is a final prayer for God to make the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts acceptable to God. The whole rest of the poem is just telling us what's acceptable to celebrate God's cosmic laws, that we follow the heavens because they know God's glory, bringing healing and wholeness to creation. That is what Psalm 19 is guiding us to do, to creation, to caring for the natural order of the world, to rejoicing, yes, but also to sitting in the dark and listening to the wisdom, to giving up control over our environment that we might live in unison with all of God's creatures and creation, that we might rest in the dark, gathering wisdom to give us more reason to proclaim adoration in the day. 
I'm not sure if you remember this phase of the pandemic, but there was a phase, I think it was around the time that we were all baking bread and pretending we knew how to garden, where all the news headlines read, our carbon emissions are down 5%, 6%. Deer and chipmunks, raccoons, they're taking over our streets. New York City rats are getting vicious, starving without food in the dumpster from restaurants. And monkeys are forming street gangs. You see, when we all had to stay home, traffic died down. And our world got a bit quieter, quite literally. And other creatures had the freedom to explore. Our Sabbath from motor vehicles, from general busyness, allowed other life on our planet to flourish, to find their natural rhythms again. And it allowed for more dark in our world. Yeah, these have been dark times. I don't need to tell you that. But in addition to that emotional darkness, there's been more physical darkness, more rest, a slower pace of life, perhaps even a bit more wisdom. And then, on Thursday morning, I read another headline. Global missions have returned to pre-pandemic rates. Even without the end of this pandemic, humans returned to our normal state of engaging with God's creation, forcing animals back into whatever land we don't want to use, and emitting dangerous gases, forcing out the darkness. Our desire for progress, for grind culture, humanity's fixation on working more has undone this brief Sabbath brought that brought life to so much creation. This frantic need to return to normal, if left unexamined, ignores the wisdom we've been learning in the dark. Yes, we miss human connection, hugging our loved ones, sharing meals, engaging with strangers in coffee shops. But do we really miss grind culture? High carbon emission rates, long days in the office, overscheduling our kids, waking up early so that we can fit everything in? Are those the things we actually miss? Is that how we join in creation's joyful praise to the Lord? Carbon emissions have returned to pre-pandemic rates, and the pandemic isn't even over yet. But Psalm 19 tells us that God speaks through creation, so we have to ask the question, are we willing to listen to that? Are we willing to listen to God's creation? God created and loves humans. Yes, I do know that. But God also created and loves Squirrels and spiders and oceans and rocks and sharks and cilantro plants and sunflowers, and we'd be here all day if I listed all the things. Each created being on our earth is part of God's symphony, and each one a part of declaring God's glory during the day, listening to God's wisdom in the dark. And so by ignoring or even harming creation, we are failing to honor God. In order to love God, we have to also love God's creation. They're connected. The same way we hang our kids' artwork on our fridges. Honoring creation, it's one way we can, honoring creation, that's one way we can keep what we've learned in the dark. And there are more ways. Are we taking breaks? 
guarding the rhythm of Sabbath in our world? Do we have unforced rhythms of grace for ourselves and how we interact with creation? Have we allowed ourselves to listen to the dark? Will we bring that wisdom forward with us? One of my favorite ministry ventures is called the NAP Ministry. The NAP Ministry was founded in 2016 by Tricia Hersey and is an organization that examines the liberating power of NAPs. Understanding Sabbath rest as a radical tool for community healing. They believe that rest is a form of resistance and sleep deprivation is a racial and social justice issue. This ministry advocates for people of faith to radically live out the gospel by taking more naps. The nap ministry declares rest in many forms, connection with nature, spending time with loved ones, doing absolutely nothing, and mostly taking more naps as resistance to the societal pressures we all face. They boldly declare that rest is falling into unforced rhythms of God's grace and participating in the created order of the world. That rest is who we are called to be. So I leave you this morning with a quote from Knapp Bishop, Tricia. You will not get free by attempting to quickly engage via the fast-paced scroll life. You will have to stop. You will have to do real work to change. Resting is a meticulous love practice. Resting is a meticulous love practice for ourselves and for God's world. Go forth and rest. Amen.